Hello, Andre here. Welcome to yet another episode of The Daily. Today is Thursday and we're closing in onto the end of the week and we're nearing the end of the month of June and we will then be officially past the halfway mark of this crazy whirlwind of a year. What a year 2020 has been already. Let's continue hoping and trusting in our God that the months ahead, that the years ahead will be better. We trust in His goodness, we trust in His mercy, in His kindness that is for us, that He extends toward us every morning. So today, even as we begin this podcast, I want to invite you to take a deep breath and to picture yourself breathing in God's mercy and grace that is new every morning. Let's begin the podcast. Well, some time ago, I was in a Toys R Us and uh, me and Amy, we like to go into Toys R Us every now and then just to relive our childhoods uh, and buy toys that previously our parents wouldn't have allowed us to buy. Uh, We are just funny like that. And I remember going to Toys R Us uh, one time and uh, noticing a child that was crying, that was throwing a tantrum because this child... uh, wanted a toy but his mom told him that he could pick only one toy out of two and this is a really common scene in Toys R Us I bet you know if you were to go into one uh, you would see that exact same scene that I'm describing and the child literally had two toys one in each hand and was trying to pick one toy over the other and uh, was so frustrated upset uh, that he just broke down because he couldn't decide between the two now this is a really really funny way of segueing into what i have to say today but in many ways we are kind of like this child at times right where we are holding two things and wanting the best of both worlds wanting to have both but recognizing that we can only have one and we find ourselves in a place of flux, uh, we are not at peace, we feel tense. Because as believers, we know that we live in the world, but scripture tells us that we are not of it, meaning that we live in this world, we participate in society, but in many ways, our allegiance, our heart's desire, our true north is directed to that which is Christ, that which is his kingdom. And in Matthew chapter 16, Jesus describes what our discipleship to him entails, what following him actually means. That it's not just embracing certain ideologies, it's not just a shift in schedule, meaning we go to church on Sunday, but it's so much more than that. It's so much more than just taking off the Christian option in uh, whatever form you have to fill. Jesus says this in Matthew chapter 16, verse 24. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Verse 26. For what profit is it to a man? if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul. Strong, strong words from Jesus, but that so speaks into our cultural climate, this dilemma that we often find ourselves in where we 
are kind of like the child in Toys R Us, right? Holding that which is Christ to follow him, to wholly pursue him in all our ways. And yet, at the same time, holding on to what is described in scripture as the world, its pleasures, its allure, its comforts. And Jesus, through that chapter that we just read, addresses that dilemma, addresses that condition that many of us find ourselves in. And he says this, that whoever wants to follow him has to, must deny themselves. And there are no options here, right? At the center of the way of Jesus is a symbol. It is the cross. The cross is not just a kind of architectural piece on a building. It is not just something that is that fills sentimental songs. It's not just a piece of jewelry that we wear, but the cross is a symbol of death, of suffering, of self-denial. The call to Jesus, that which is to take up of cross, our cross, is a call to come and die, is a call to self-denial. Now in our urban, fast-paced, educated city, that just sounds absolutely absurd, doesn't it, right? The barrage of cultural messaging that we receive constantly says the exact opposite. Every message, every advertisement, everything is all about self-fulfillment. One cultural commentator on a documentary on the rise of the advertising industry and consumerism titled this century as the century of self. And now this is such an apt description of our current cultural climate, right? Popular thoughts that are characteristic of this century are nobody or nothing should be able to stand in the way of me getting what I want. And if anything or anybody does, that is a kind of oppression. And if I can't get what I want, I cannot be happy. Now if I'm reading the words of Jesus and scripture right, that is at best off-based, at worst, complete deception. We live in a tension today between the invitation of Jesus, that is to deny ourselves, and the mantra of our culture, you can have it all. Jesus on purpose puts the image of the cross, the symbol of the cross, right smack in the middle of his description, his explanation of what discipleship to him truly meant. Now, tragically, we have lost the gravity and power of this image in our modern world. What it requires of us is lost or ignored in our culture. The cross is a man beaten, humiliated, and killed. But catch this, he did so, Jesus did so, willingly. That is self-denial. Now, even as you're hearing this, you might be thinking, wait, is Jesus calling me to die, to give up my life, to be persecuted, to suffer for the sake of his gospel? Well, perhaps for some of you, it is a literal suffering. It is a literal death that you have to go through for the sake of the gospel, right? And Jesus says it so clearly in Matthew chapter 16, if you want to really live, then you first have to die, right? Whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Jesus was speaking to an audience who would literally give up their lives, die for his sake, right? 
James was beheaded in Jerusalem by Herod. Matthew was killed by the sword in Ethiopia. Mark was dragged by horses through the streets of Alexandria. Luke was hung in Greece. Thomas was speared to death in India. Peter was crucified upside down in Rome. And John was dipped in alive in boiling oil and then left on a rock in the Mediterranean to die. So yes, Jesus was speaking of a real literal death. But I believe this message also speaks to us in our current day, in our current climate, right? We live in the comforts of a first world city. We have little to no persecution. We are not under the threat of death or a maniacal kind of ruler. So what is the kind of death that we are to embrace? Well, I believe the call that Jesus is giving his disciples was this. It was a call to come and die. Literal death for some, but self-denial for all a kind of death to self and the self that jesus is talking about is not your identity is not necessarily deny yourself every kind of comfort or pleasure you don't deserve anything eat insects lie on the floor you worthless shrimp i don't think that was what jesus was referring to as he calls his disciples to deny themselves Self in Jesus' paradigm means something else. The best word in the Bible to describe this self that Jesus wants us to put to death is that of the flesh. Flesh meaning kind of disordered desires, right? Our longing for things, for experiences, for wealth and acclaim that are out of sync with the way of Jesus where we have come to prefer things over God. John Mark Comer describes the self in this way. He talks about it as a kind of intersection point where deceptive ideas, lies, false truths about God, his kingdom, and you that originates from the devil meet with the pull of the sinful society culture we live in, that which the Bible calls the world. These two forces meet and join forces with our disordered, ungoverned desires, also known as the flesh. That is the kind of war that we find ourselves fighting in day in, day out. We want to follow Jesus. We want to honor him. We want to love him. We want to grow in his word. We want to grow in intimacy with him. Yet, at the same time, there is a strong pull. There's a strong desire and longing for the things of this world. And these things might not necessarily be evil things, but they can be things that we have come to prefer. We have come to idolize. We have come to offer a higher seat of honor, of attention, than our God. And Jesus says that the first step into discipleship with him is to deny ourselves, to deny our flesh, to deny that impulse to sin, to not honor him, to not respond in love, to forego our spiritual practices, to forego devotion, These things that pull us away from God, His way, His kingdom, we ought to put to death. Sky Jitani in his book, The Divine Commodity, writes uh, this paragraph that I believe many of us carry in our hearts but are afraid to whisper out loud. He says this in his book, My secret is that I want to be relevant and popular. I want my desires fulfilled and pain minimized. I want a manageable relationship with an institution 
rather than messy relationships with people. He's talking about church. I want to be transformed into the image of Christ by showing up at entertaining events rather than through the hard work of discipline. I want to wear my faith on my sleeve and not look at the darkness in my heart. And above all, I want a controllable God. I want a divine commodity to do my will on earth as well as in heaven. Now, isn't that so true? We want the best of both worlds. We want both toys. We want to be known for devotion. We want to pursue God. Yet at the same time, we want to hold on to that which we have built in the world. We want the acclaim. We want fame. We want to be relevant. We want to be popular. Yet at the same time, we want to be devoted and seen as pious to others. I'm reminded of the words of Jesus even as he was teaching on money, on wealth and finances. He says this, that no man can serve two masters. Here is the honest truth. We cannot serve two masters. We cannot have it all. We cannot have the best of both worlds. We might think we are able to manage this kind of double life, but at some point our world will implode and it will reveal our truest allegiances, our default, our true north, whether we gravitate to the things of this world, our comforts, our coping mechanisms, or do we lean in to God and His Spirit. There is a story of the Knights Templar that I've brought up on occasion. Now, this story is somewhat regarded as a kind of legend. No one knows whether it's truly authentic. But for our purposes, it does really well to illustrate the point. The story goes that before the Knights would go out to battle, they would participate in baptism and they would be fully decked out in their armor. Just picture that, it's a really funny image. They'll be fully decked out in their armor and would enter the baptismal pools. And the story goes that they would enter the pool and before they were ritually baptized, they would unsheath their sword and stick it out of the water even as they were baptized. And this was a kind of way of saying to God and to the world that God, you can have all my body, you can have everything that is under the water, but that which I do with my sword, you have no control, you have no say over. That part of my life is mine, it belongs to me, you can have the rest of it. A mentor of mine once said this to me, partial obedience is disobedience. I'll say it again, partial obedience is disobedience. Another way to put it is this familiar saying, it's either he is Lord of all or he is not Lord at all. And as we consider this call to self-denial, perhaps our disobedience isn't so much seen in a blatant refusal to walk in God's way, to embrace sin, evil and the like. Perhaps our refusal to self-denial or refusal to obedience is seen in the little areas of our life that we on purpose have not given God access to. And perhaps we, like the Knights Templar, have a kind of sword sticking out of the water. Where we go, Christ, you can have everything that is under water, but what I do with this sword, what I do with my family, my marriage, my career, my singleness, my health, my wealth, calling or ambition or dreams, 
that you have no say over. And perhaps the invitation for all of us today, even as we consider this call to self-denial, is to grant God access into these areas and trust in His goodness, to allow Him to lead, to guide, to direct us in these areas and trust in His goodness that He will not shortchange us, He will not lead us into destruction, but He is the one who leads us by still waters and refreshes our soul. And we can trust in Him as our Good Shepherd because He is good. And perhaps the willingness to deny ourselves, to withhold ourselves from the pleasures, the allure of the world, is directly connected to our trust in God and His goodness. And I want to pray this over you this morning that God in His goodness will give you grace to trust and believe in Him, that His way is the way to flourishing, that His way is the way to fullness, to being satisfied, life in all its fullness. Psalm 23, it says this, The Lord is my shepherd. He leads me. I lack nothing. When God is our shepherd, when we choose to submit our whole lives to Him, where we choose to deny ourselves our fleshly inclinations, we will lack nothing. And so let's end off this podcast this morning by spending some time basking in God's presence and experiencing His goodness. And it's from this place of intimacy with Him where we come face to face with His presence, with His kindness, that we are compelled to let loose of what is in one hand such that we may fully embrace that which is in the other. So let go of the world, its pull, its allure, and to with both hands fully embrace that which is God and His kingdom. And so let's spend a few moments inviting the Spirit to come and meet us right now. Wherever you're at, be it on your way to work or in the comforts of your own home, I invite you right now to take a deep breath. And as you do so, picture yourself breathing in God's goodness, His mercy, His kindness. And as you breathe out, I invite you right now to feel the tenseness in your shoulders releasing even as you exhale. As you do so, feel the weight that is on your shoulders fall off. And take another deep breath in and breathe in God's grace, His provision, His strength. And then take another breath out and invite you to keep doing so until you enter into a place of peace and rest and experience God's goodness that is for you this day. Let's spend a few moments doing so. Amazing. Let me pray for you even as you begin your day. Father, we thank you for your goodness that is for us. God, we thank you for the goodness we see this day, the provision of food on our table, 
the provision of our jobs, provision of even the air that we breathe, the ground that we're standing on. Lord, we thank you for your goodness. And God, we pray this day that we will experience your goodness in such great measure that it will cause us to let loose our grip on that which is the world. Give us grace, give us strength to abandon our fleshly desires and to lean on you, to discover you who is our true strength, to discover you who truly satisfy. And may we echo the words of David, Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. May this be the prayer of our hearts. We pray all these things in your name. Amen. Thank you so much for tuning in to yet another episode of The Daily. I have one more episode for you coming out tomorrow, and then we'll hit the weekend. Have a great day today. Grace and peace. Hey, thanks so much for tuning in to The Daily Podcast. We'll have fresh new episodes out for you every weekday. If you like what you're hearing and want to check us out, uh, you can look us up on our website, www.thecity.sg or check us out on our various social media platforms. We'll see you at the next episode. Peace.